It's Analytics Tuesday, so we're going to break down the Saints-Titans game by the numbers. But first, the NFC is an absolute hot mess right now. The New Orleans Saints and their fans should want it no other way. Why the Saints should still be focused on playing for playoff positioning as opposed to worrying about their draft picks. We've got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into an Analytics Tuesday episode here on Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked On Saints. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Tuesdays on Locked On NFL, and every single Monday through Friday here on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is going to be a fun one. I know a lot of folks are disappointed about their loss against the Tennessee Titans, but hey, there's still so much of this season left to play. So what are the New Orleans Saints playing for? Well, thanks to the NFC, the New Orleans Saints are alive and well within their conference and their playoff race. If you watch the Monday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, you were treated to a little bit of a treat if you were a Saints fan because the 49ers knocked off the Los Angeles Rams, keeping the Rams from making further distance within the NFC. Now, are the New Orleans Saints immediately competing with the Los Angeles Rams for a playoff spot? No, not at the moment, because right now the Rams hold position number five or the fifth seed in the NFC. But it is an example of a greater sort of conversation, which is that the NFC is an absolute hot mess right now, and that works in the favor of the New Orleans Saints. Right now, the Saints are five and four, hoping to not drop to 500 or five and five next week in their game up against the Philadelphia Eagles. But they're still in the fifth, or excuse me, the sixth seed of the NFC right now because the NFC is so remarkably top heavy. You've got the Packers and the Cardinals who are both sitting on the top there at number one and number two, respectively, at eight and two. You've got the Cowboys in third position right now, third seed as the NFC East leader at seven and two. And then you have the Buccaneers right now leading the NFC South, but on a two-game losing streak, just like the New Orleans Saints, at six and three. So four, or not a two-game losing streak, but have lost two of their most recent games uh, at six and three. So right now, the Saints at five and four are very well in position to continue to compete, not only within their division, but also within their conference with the Los Angeles Rams at seven and three. They're not exactly out of range for the New Orleans Saints, but the Saints don't really need to worry about climbing into fifth seed or trying to climb even to the top of their division. Their only focus right now should be playing for the playoffs as a whole. And I've heard some folks ask, Should the Saints even be playing for playoff positioning or should they be more focused on their draft positioning? We're going to talk about that in a nice conversation that I had with Norman Locke here in a little bit. But I want to continue talking about the playoff spot and what the NFC looks like right now. Because the NFC is so top heavy with those teams that we just named off, everybody's in the race except for probably the Detroit Lions who are like 0-8 and 1. They still haven't won a game so far this season. But you're talking about teams like the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Bears, who are all three and six tied at the bottom of the conference, with the exception of the Lions, that are all still actually in the hunt at this point and are not even close to being mathematically eliminated. So the Saints at five and four are actually in a pretty good position. Now, they're coming off of a two-game losing streak here, so they have to be able to rebound quickly because this two-game losing streak can quickly turn into a five-game losing streak. If they drop this game in Philadelphia, then they're going up against tough opponents at home 
uh, with the Buffalo Bills and then, of course, with the uh, Dallas Cowboys, who are sitting right now at the top of the NFC East and, of course, at the third seed right now in the NFL. But for the Saints, they're not fully being pushed out of position at this time. Now, we could talk about what they should be versus what they are, all that we want, as in this is a team that could very easily, instead of being five and four, could be seven and two right now and playing for the top of the conference and certainly at the top of their division, it's sole ownership over the six and three bucks. But you know what? They're not. So you have to look ahead to where the New Orleans Saints are. If they go one of two in the next three, don't drop the the Philadelphia Eagles game because then you really run the risk at risk of that 0 and 5 run that we were just talking about. But if you go one and five over the next three, it puts you in a position and gives you the opportunity to finish out strong in some very important December games that should be favorable against the Jets, against the Dolphins, against the Panthers, against the Falcons. There are still some favorable games left on this schedule as we broke down in Monday's episode in our reaction to the Saints loss to the Tennessee Titans. So this is a big stretch for the New Orleans Saints, these next three games. Would you love to see the Saints come out of this one three and oh, sure, but a more realistic outcome is probably one and two. And if you can push it and if uh, Sean Payton specifically can stay perfect in holiday games over the past couple of seasons where he's undefeated on Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day and Halloween Day, then maybe you get in and you luck out up against the Buffalo Bills who, hey, dropped the game to the Jacksonville Jaguars at one point earlier this season and not too long ago. So you could maybe walk out of there two and one and even in a much better position, but one and two can put you exactly where you need to be to be able to compete in games that you should be able to win later on down the road to where you can still play within this jumble, this mess of a conference in the NFC that are keeping everything close and keeping the Saints alive. So the Saints have control over their own destiny, and right now they're getting help. They'll need to capitalize on that moving forward. Now, should the Saints be playing for playoff positioning right now, and what value does that bring to them versus focusing more on their draft pick positioning? Now, we know NFL teams don't like to tank. We know Sean Payton would never, but is there a conversation to be had? I don't think that there is. We're going to talk about why and why there's only one option for this New Orleans Saints team moving forward as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, in life, we all know that there are we're all bound for different things. And with BeachBound.com vacations, you can find out if you're bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, for togetherness, immersion, rejuvenation, whatever it is that you're bound for, even if it's encountering the unexpected, you're going to be able to find over at beachbound.com. It's getting to that point where it's getting, you know, the weather is not so friendly in a lot of places right now. So it's a great time to get away to the tropics. Enjoy yourself a little bit of beach time. I know my wife and I just did something very similar. We actually used Beachbound to take a little vacation for our honeymoon, and it was absolutely enjoyable. I had my little taco flight next to the pool, and we are also able to just walk out into our backyard, which was the beach. So a fantastic time. So whatever it is that you're bound for, I highly recommend visiting beachbound.com to book your next beach vacation. What are you bound for? Find out today at beachbound.com. All right, Huda Nation, thanks so much again for making us your first listen of the day every day here at Locked on Saints. I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Norman Locke from over at the Morning Lock-In Show, which you can find on YouTube. He's also over at ESPN 
1420. Had me on his show uh, today. You can catch it later on on Tuesday evening. But I want to give a little bit of a preview or a precursor to our conversation and really expound on something that we had a great conversation about because Norman asked me something and he and I agree on this point and where we are. But it was a really, really great question based upon maybe the way that some folks are talking about the New Orleans Saints. And the question was, should the Saints really be concerned about playing for playoffs, playing for the playoffs, or should they be more focused on their draft position, right? Is it better for the Saints to get into the playoffs, lose round one, for instance, than it is to not get into playoffs and have a better draft pick? And listen, Norman and I actually both agree on this. I know some of you will agree on this. Some of you might disagree with this. So let me know your reasoning below in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube or hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola, because this is a really interesting conversation to me because you're not going to really openly have this conversation with the team. A lot of folks aren't going to be comfortable openly having this conversation because it feels like you're having a tanking conversation. But what we're not talking about here is the New Orleans Saints willfully saying, okay, we give up, we're playing for playoff positioning. All we're saying is that of the two different options, which is best for the Saints? If they were to play their hearts out but not make the playoffs, or if they were to play their hearts out and then make the playoffs and lose in the first round. And I've got to say, I think you play for the playoffs. I think that playing your hearts out, getting to the playoffs, and even losing in the first round in heartbreaking fashion, whatever it might be, is better for this New Orleans Saints team than not making the playoffs at all, even though you get a better draft pick. There's a reason why. I know a lot of folks have sort of talked to me about, hey, can we talk about how Peyton Turner is a bust of a pick or how Cesar Ruiz is a bust of a pick? Okay, let's chill out. It takes time for draft picks to develop, which is why I don't think that actually not making the playoffs and having a better draft pick makes really any bit of difference for you, especially if you get to the first round and get bounced in the first round then the difference between your first round pick if you didn't make the playoffs versus if you were an early exit in the playoffs is like two picks, three picks at most. So with that being the case, I think it's better to continue to play for the playoffs. Not every draft pick pans out. And even more, I think I would say accurately, not only do those draft picks not always pan out, sometimes it takes years for those draft picks to get to a place where you actually see the benefit from them because they have to adjust the NFL. And where the New Orleans Saints need help, which is at wide receiver, at tight end, these pass catching positions, and could use some help probably, wouldn't be surprised to see them explore a quarterback. I'm not saying in the first round, but in the second, third, or fourth round, just like they did last year. And then of course, you might look for some help over on the defensive side. None of those positions are easy to translate to when it comes to the NFL. Even if you go to the offensive line, it's tough to translate there as we're seeing with Cesar Ruiz, who's unfortunately had to move around the entire time that he's been trying to get into rhythm since joining the New Orleans Saints. So for me, playing for or not even playing for draft positioning, but hoping for better draft positioning to me is not as impactful as making the playoffs. Because if you can show that you're a playoff team, it grants you a couple of things. First of all, you're more likely to make the playoffs the next year as a playoff team the first year. I know we tend to only pay attention to the team's that weren't in the playoffs the year before, and if they can get into the playoffs the next year. But more times than not, there are more playoff teams in the playoffs this year that that were in the playoffs last year than there are those that are in this year that weren't there last year. So continue to make the playoffs and continue your streak so that you can look and raise your odds of being a playoff team again the next season. The other part of all this too is that the Saints might not be a draft pick away but they might be just a free agent away or a couple of free agents away. Now, this upcoming free agency is not going to be easy for the New Orleans Saints again. Remember, instead of there being a floor on the salary cap this season, there's a ceiling. Now, it's still higher than it has been over the past couple of seasons. If I remember correctly, it's up around $218 million. 
but the Saints are already about 30 to $40 million over the top of that. So they'll have to do some things to figure it out, but restructures to guys like Marshawn Lattimore, really an extension, or excuse me, no, that's right, a restructure to Marshawn Lattimore, restructure to Michael Thomas, restructure to uh, Ryan Ramchek, and maybe a couple of other restructures here and there, and then you're already, you've already taken off like $30 million of that hit. So it's not going to be hard for them to get below where they need to be and in a situation where they can compete for a high-profile free agent, or even if they don't want to compete for a high-profile guy, which is usually not the Saints' MO, they don't usually go for those day one free agency signings, you still can compete for somebody and show somebody, hey, we are one you away from making a deep playoff run. And I think that's a better situation for them to be because a free agent can bring you more immediate impact and it gives you the opportunity to increase your likelihood of being appealing to those free agents that can make that immediate impact as opposed to worrying about your draft positioning, drafting somebody at 17 as opposed to 21 or whatever, and then end up waiting four years for the, to see if they're going to pan out. If you're a team that's trying to win over these next couple of seasons, which I think the New Orleans Saints are for various reasons, then I think you play for the playoffs this year. And if you make the playoffs, you can show everybody, hey, look what we did with a completely depleted roster. Imagine what can happen next season when we have you on this team, high profile free agent. Now, we know these New Orleans Saints are going to continue to play for the playoffs and they have some winnable games up ahead of them. But in order to learn about where to go, we have to know about where they've been. So we're going to break it down a little bit further, our deeper dive like we do every week on our Analytics Tuesday episode, getting a little bit deeper and into the numbers for the New Orleans Saints lost to the Tennessee Titans. A key missing piece in the passing game this week might have made all the difference. I'll tell you what that is, and we'll look at much more as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And as we get into that, I want to talk about a key app that can impact your daily savings. It's the Get Upside app, which allows you with this free app that you can download in the Apple App Store or on the Google Play Store, wherever it is that you get your apps. It's going to give you the opportunity to get up to 25 cents back per gallon every time that you fill up at select gas stations. You just find the gas station that's partnered in your neighborhood or in your vicinity with the Get Upside app. Head over there, fill up your car, and save up to 25 cents back per gallon. That's it. No catch, no contracts, nothing weird. That's all you got to do. And best of all, you can cash out whenever you want. They're going to send you that money either directly to your bank account, you can get it done through PayPal, or you even get it back to you with gift cards like Amazon and other brands as well. And to make it even better, to add on top of that, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN before your first fill up when you download the free app, and it's going to give you up to 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. Doesn't get any better than that. It's the Get Upside app. 25 cents back per gallon every time that you fill up at select stations. Some folks are making $200, $300 per month. And don't forget that promo code touchdown for that special bonus over at the Get Upside app. Let's get it. Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode with our Analytics Tuesday segment. We have a ton of stuff to get through in this one, so let's just dive right into it. We're going to start off with one of the hottest topics when it comes to the game recap over the past couple of days, and that, of course, is Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore struggled quite a bit in this game. We have seen him perform incredibly well over the course of the season. You think about what he's done against some of the best receivers in the NFL with a cast on. He gets the cast off, and then he comes out here and struggles a bit against a guy that not a lot of folks know about, Marcus Johnson, who had over 100 receiving yards in this game. Side note, 
The New Orleans Saints have yet to have a pass catcher that plays wide receiver or tight end go over 100 yards in a single game so far this season. The only Saints player to have over 100 receiving yards was Alvin Kamara in the Seattle Seahawks game with 128. That's a big issue that they'll need to get fixed. We'll talk about by the numbers there. But when it comes down to Marshall and Lattimore, he gave up easily 103 yards in this game. Five passes, uh, five catches allowed on five targets, 55 yards after the catch. And that was, again, mostly in coverage with standout wide receiver, or excuse me, standout training camp wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. Hey, look, a training camp guy finally panning out at the position in Marcus Johnson, not against A.J. Brown. Uh, Marshall Lattimore also gave up 118.8 passer rating when he was targeted, and he uh, played 48.4% of his snaps in zone coverage. This was a very zone-heavy game for the New Orleans Saints. And all told as a defense, the zone defense actually worked out for them more times than it didn't. But those crossing routes over the middle kind of gave them some trouble. And then Marshawn Lattimore struggled in zone coverage, which isn't necessarily new information. We know him to be one of the best physical press man coverage corners in the NFL. Hasn't always aligned very well when put in or hasn't the, the idea of zone coverage or zone coverage schemes haven't always aligned very well with his skill set so far in the NFL. Uh, the other corners around him, Paulson, Adebo, two catches allowed for just 16 yards. He spent a lot of time with A.J. Brown. We'll dig into his performance a little bit more tomorrow in our Film Watch Wednesday segment. But we also got Bradley Roby here. No catches allowed on four targets. Three of those targets came uh, came to A.J. Brown while Bradley Roby was in coverage. He is credited, though, with benefiting from two drops, one of which by Brown and another by tight end Anthony Ferkser. But still a great performance by Bradley Roby, who didn't outsnap Paulson Adebo, but did play a lot in the slot in uh, sort of rotation with PJ Williams. So it was good to see that. Speaking of coverage, let's talk a little bit about how Ryan Tannehill performed against the Saints coverage. Threw for 213 passing yards with 96 of them allowed in the short middle area of the field. So we're talking about within 10 yards and between the hash marks, 96 yards there on six of seven passing. That was a very, very weak area for the Saints. That's something we're going to dig in a little bit more on as well in tomorrow's episode because I need to see the film in order to know if it was something to do with the, the zone coverages, right? If it was scheme driven that that area was left open, if it was traffic discipline with all of the crossing routes that the Saints struggled with, or if there was something else going on. So we'll dig into all of that. But all told over the middle of the field, regardless of depth, eight passes caught uh, on 10 targets for the Tennessee Titans for 152 yards. The Saints were just eaten up in that area of the field. But play action might have had a little bit to do with it as well. And look, the Titans played zone on their side very, very heavily as we expected. And it worked in favor for the New Orleans Saints passing game as well, at least for the most part. Now, the touchdowns mostly came against man coverage, one of them in uh, in the red zone, of course, so that makes sense. But only two defenders, Titans defenders, in this game gave up catches in man coverage, and I believe it was only a total of four catches. That was Janoris Jenkins, who gave up just one, and then Chris Jackson got absolutely bodied for actually, I think it was four catches just by Chris Jackson allowed for 99 receiving yards. And you can guess that a big part of that was, of course, Deontay Harris. However, five defenders for the Titans gave up 12 total catches versus or in zone coverage for 157 yards. So as we expected, the zone heavy scheme for the Titans working in favor of the New Orleans Saints, even though it didn't work in favor on the scoreboard. So that's what the Titans look like in their coverage. How did the Titans look against the New Orleans Saints when it came to pressure for Ryan Tannehill? Well, seven of seven for 67 yards and a touchdown on play action passes. 
8.3 average depth of target on that uh, on those play action passes as well, and 146.1 pass rating as compared to an 82.5 uh, pass rating on standard passes, and only throwing for about four and a half yards of uh, depth per target uh, on standard passes. So the the Tennessee Titans benefiting from play action just like we expected. Tannehill was pressured on only nine uh, total dropbacks. Two of those were sacks, but other than that, he was able to get seven passes off. He was six of seven otherwise, and the incompletion was a drop, so it was 100% completion percentage for him. So the pressure wasn't consistent. Marcus Davenport was really the only successful pass rusher for the New Orleans Saints, and when that pass rush didn't get home, even when Tannehill was pressured, he was still very, very comfortable delivering the ball. Pressure on Trevor Simeon was also really kept at bay throughout the game in terms of the number of total pressures, but the difference is the conversion rate when it comes to sacks. Both of these quarterbacks only pressured about nine times. However, Trevor Simeon was sacked four out of those nine times when he was pressured. So that's a really, really big conversion rate for Tennessee and can make all the difference for you. Uh, Other than that, when he wasn't sacked, he still got five of those nine passes off. However, only completed three, but for 82 receiving yards or for 82 passing yards. So he was pressured also deeper into his clock, which was a big deal, which goes to show you that some of it wasn't uh, players giving up immediate pressure, which we did see early with Jeffrey Simmons, Cesar Ruiz, things like that. But for the most part, he was pressured deep into his snap clock, 3.5 seconds. So some of it was either holding on to the ball too long or, of course, uh, not having any receivers open or any options open. So we'll have to see exactly how that all works out. Tannehill, on the other hand, pressured uh, two point when he was pressured, 2.59 seconds to throw. Much better rate there for the Saints. Trevor Simeon was not shy yet again, uh, attempting six passes beyond 20 yards and finished with a total average depth of target of 10.8. So not afraid at all to take shots. Did a great job distributing the ball around the field as well. What was the biggest discrepancy for the Saints? Well, that big key passing metric that ended up impacting this game actually came down a play action for the Saints. Seven play action dropbacks in this game, seven play action attempts, but only three completions for 33 yards and an average depth of target of 0.8 yards, less than one yard average depth of target on play action passes. Usually when you're running those play action passes, you're looking down the field, the Saints having to check down quite a bit. So that zone coverage deep ended up making a big difference there. You took um, Trevor Simeon from averaging 10.8 yards per target, basically, in this one to 0.8. That's it. Under one yard. So that was a huge, huge, huge impact on the Saints who have been leaning into uh, play action quite a bit more this season. All right, let's wrap up with the offensive line because I know we all want to talk about it. Cesar Ruiz, only two pressures allowed, but both of them were sacks uh, and both of them coming up early in the game. He also had a couple of issues in the run game as well, whiffed on a pull for instance. Uh, he tightened up later on in the game. Brandon Thorne kind of talked about it a little bit as well, gave Cesar Ruiz a little bit of a shout out saying, look, he tightened up toward the end of the game, which was great, but he's got to get his legs under him earlier on in games. Thorne believes that Cesar Ruiz is going to be able to turn into a good offensive lineman and a solid offensive lineman, but gave a ton of praise for Calvin Throckmorton, the undrafted free agent gem out of Oregon who can play anywhere you put him. He had himself a nice performance at left guard, making the start there with James Hurst having to move over to left tackle with Teron Armstead out. He only got one pressure allowed uh, by Teron Armstead, excuse me, by uh, James Hurst, who was in for Teron Armstead, by Calvin Throckmorton, as well as Eric McCoy. The thing that Eric McCoy really needs to clean up, though, penalties. Five penalties in the last three games, had three of them actually against the Atlanta Falcons and one of them in this game. The Saints penalties all told, something that needs to be cleaned up. 
But on your offensive line, you want that play to be fundamentally sound. But penalties along the offensive line tend to be some you know, mental processing issues. And then of course, also holding penalties, things like that, that can end up really, really stifling drives for you when you start to get into enemy territory. We saw that up against the Atlanta Falcons last week. All right, family, those are the numbers like we do every Tuesday. Tomorrow, we're going to dive into the film and we're going to be joined by one of our friends from over at WWL for our WWL Wednesday segment to help break down a little bit more about this Titans loss, put a bow on that and start to look ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about that and much more here throughout the week. We've also got Crossover Thursday coming up as well, where we'll talk with Gino Camilleri and Louis Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles. So thanks so much, as always, y'all, for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure you come back tomorrow. But for today, if you're looking for your second listen, there's only one place to go. It's Locked On Bets. They have been on an absolute heater here. Uh, 12 out of 14 winning weeks over the last couple of months. They have been outstanding. So go and win yourself some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling over at Locked On Bets. For everything in between, y'all, make sure you follow on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust who that nation, I'll holla at you.